No, but literally going to be this laying back in the seat today doing this. This has been such, such a long, not just a long week, a very long, uh, no, sure, six weeks, eight weeks. There's been a really long period of near back-to-back -back events, usually multiple events in the same week. Uh, a bunch of them have spoken about publicly. It was the last week was go-to in, uh, in Uhus, Oz. Denmark. It was Perth a few weeks ago, but then there's all these other things in between, and I just feel like I've gone from week to week to week to week with stuff jammed into every week. And today was the last of that hectic period. Uh, today I talked at the Australian Independent Schools Conference down in <laughs> Broadbeach, 14 minutes that way. It was nice. It was great. I had such a nice time. We went and had a gala dinner last night. It's nice to be able to go and have a, have a dinner with real humans, <laughs> not just like you randos uh, on the camera. You know what I mean. Yeah, being able to go to conferences in person again. That was lovely. A lot of nice people there. And then I did a talk this morning, did a 50-minute talk, which was great. I, had, uh, I think they had about 800 people in the room. And then they had a break. And then we did Q&A for 50, 50 or 60 minutes. I don't know. We just kept going until until they got told we were out of time. Uh, and it's just like loads and loads and loads of really nice people, people working in the education sector. Uh, so uh, people who are responsible for the uh, the IT of their schools, for example, independent schools. And I was sort of asking, is an independent school like a private school? Australia has this thing where there's like private schools and public schools. And so like, yes, for the most part, but then I don't think some are, Anyway, kind of, <laughs> but interesting, interesting challenges for people running IT departments in schools, because you can imagine the sort of shenanigans kids get up to. Now, Rob Langford joined in here early. Good afternoon, Fritz. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Troy. We're ready for another episode of The Weekend is Upon Us, Troy Hunt's Showtime. And then I put a beer emoji. Really deserve a beer today. Oh. Christian's here. Well, it feels strange when you've gotten up from bed and here you are drinking beer. You can do that in bed. I'm just saying. <laughs> you can. Fritz is beer, the breakfast of champions. See, there's more balancing out. Troy, coffee, we beer, and vice versa. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much. That's pretty much. We're, uh, we're just after four o'clock here. It's a little bit earlier than what I'd normally do it, but... Uh, Ari had a request today, which is to go axe throwing. Now, this is at a proper axe throw. This is not just like some random place you pick up axes. It's uh, it's a little bit like you might have uh, darts or pool or something in some places. There is an axe throwing place here in Surface Paradise. We've been to it before. I don't know how, but I was kind of awesome at it. <laughs> I think I just got very lucky. So we're going back to go axe throwing, uh, and, and we need to do that at a reasonable hour today. So we're doing this, this event just a little bit earlier. Mosek, where can I find the subtitle? Thank you for your help. Uh, you would probably need to go to the Google, Google, jeez, oh, long week, Google transcription of it later on, which is mostly accurate, but I have a funny accent. Now, onto the mechanical stuff before we get into the cyber stuff. Sponsor this week, again, is Collide. Welcome back again for the, I don't know what time it is now, but many, many, many times that Collide has been here. Collide can get your cross-platform fleet to 100% compliance. It's zero trust for Okta. Want to see for yourself? Book a demo. 
And as I've mentioned many times, Clyde has been there for a very long time this year, a big chunk of last year, and uh, a big chunk of the year to come too. So Clyde has been an especially excellent sponsor, and I appreciate their support. Go and check them out. Clyde ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your apps. Zero Trust. Zero Trust keeps coming up. Come up and I I think in one of the questions today, or maybe it was when we were having dinner last night, how do you trust the IoT things on your network? You don't, particularly not if they're Yale. (laughs) I'm going to come back to that too. Back to Clyde. Designed for Okta works on Mac, Windows, Linux, iOS, and Android. Videos, demos, all the stuff, please go and check out Collide. And a big thanks to those folks for helping me do what I do here. What else has happened? Winter. Winter started yesterday. Now, for those of you getting up and having your coffee confused while I'm drinking beer, you'll be even more confused when you (laughs) hear me say it's winter. And even more confused again when you see what our winter looks like because it's freaking perfect. I put a drone video out yesterday morning. And multiple people were like, is this a drone video or is this AI? Like it looks, it almost looks doctored because it was just such a picturesque morning. I was just sitting out there very early on going, this is going to be epic. I have to go and get my drone. (laughs) It was epic. It looked really good. So we are now officially in winter. It's 22 degrees Celsius as the sun goes down. We're going to be okay. (laughs) We're going to survive. It's fine. Actually, find some rooms are still too hot. Like I was in the master bedroom, just like opening up all the windows. I like, oh, I've got to cool this place down. So winter's not too bad. Joel says he's been there. The X throwing, uh, yeah, it's and it's it's good fun. If if I get any good videos or things like that, I'll post them later on because it is kind of fun. Now, looking at my my list of things here, I've, I've mentioned uh, mentioned the independent schools talk. That was uh, that was great. I am now furiously printing, furiously printing more 3D logos because I handed out so many HLBP 3D printed logos and stickers. Uh, and, and as I said to the audience, like I ordered a lot of stickers in January 2020. <laughs> like ready to hand these out to people all over the world. And uh, I haven't handed out a lot. So they made up for that today. I tell you what, there, there was a rush on the stickers, which is good. <sighs> Speaking of printers... I don't know if this is newsworthy. Everyone knows printers are shit, right? Like, just egregiously, stupidly, painfully shit. It's hard to think that printers have actually changed too much, Uh, certainly compared to other tech. I mean, as soon as I said that, I was like, I was picturing dot matrix and the paper with the the holes on the side that you had to peel off. So, you know, there's there's that. But for the most part, I'd say over the last, let's say the last 20 years, there's been very, very few changes uh, that they're probably more frequently network connected now and they've got like air print for apple things and and other than that just <laughs> still shit so i've gone through a bunch of printers as many of you probably have before because it just seems to be that obsolescence is built into the design either obsolescence because they've run out of ink or and then the ink basically costs as much as a new printer apparently a lot of printer manufacturers make their money on the ink or obsolescence because like my Epson, they're just a heap of rubbish. I can't even remember all the problems with my Epson. I had one of the ones, so it was an inkjet multifunction, and I got one of the ones where you could refill the ink cartridges because I thought I'll, I'll be like a good global citizen rather than continually replacing those cartridges that have got so much plastic over them. You can get like these refills and you just squeeze it in. I never got it to work long enough to even empty a cartridge <laughs> to be a problem. 
And I can't remember all the issues. It was things like problems joining it to the network, so I had to hardwire it, which is normally not a problem, just the location where I keep it didn't have any hardwired points, so I ended up with a Ubiquiti switch uh, and a wireless access point that was wirelessly uplinking to the rest of the network, just I had something physical to plug it in. It was just stupid. I tweeted a thread the other day with things like some of the stupid prompts on there. So it'd be things like, um, cannot connect to network. Press OK to continue, and then there'd be like, cancel and abort, or something like that. You're not off the hook either, yeah, I will come back to you, because you're much worse. Much worse? Maybe equal. And just the, the most obscure, bizarre things. So I did get on Twitter earlier this week, and I said, look, who would recommend uh, a printer? And originally, I was thinking a multifunction printer. Long story short, consistently, people said, brother, get a brother printer. Now, I do have a black and white, it's probably not the right word, is it? A monotone, a monotone printer that is from brother uh, in the cupboard over there. It's, it's a big walking cupboard, so it's got room. Uh, and that's actually been pretty good. The Epson was a piece of rubbish. And in fact, the, the, the response is a typical thing. You ask a question on Twitter that's very pointed, very direct. What multifunction printer do you suggest? And you will get a whole bunch of tangential answers, which included things like just go down to your local office works or something and get it printed there, or try to use less paper, or all these other things, none of which met the requirement of my kids need to hand in homework that is printed and they need color. <laughs> like that. And maybe I should have put that in the original tweet, but that was one of the big requirements so that the kids still have to consistently print stuff. Our daughter has to print a whole bunch of photos of the family for something coming up for school. Uh, we regularly have to print things as well because it, look, it could be anything from uh, when I fly, I always like to have a printed itinerary of everything in part because if ever you get like grilled by customs or something, I want to be able to hand them something that isn't my unlocked device. So I print all the stuff and I have a hard copy of it in my bag. And only after I get home do I shred everything. Anyway, everyone came back and said, brother, a few people made a good point. They said, why a multifunction? Like get a printer and just print with it and then get a scanner. So I've, I've done half of that. I got a brother printer. It is a laser color printer. I've printed two pages on it. And the reason I know it's two pages is because there's a Home Assistant integration, <laughs> which has all of this, I'll tell you what's in here, all of this probably like useless stuff in it. But Home Assistant popped up and said, I found something else in your network. Would you like to add it? And I'm like, yeah, why not? B&W pages, zero. Color pages, two. I have 99% cyan toner. Drum page counter, 5p. Why is that 5p? I don't know. So a whole bunch of stuff here. It's sleeping, the percentage of all the CMYK toners, uh, laser remaining life, 100%. That's good. Drum remaining pages, 29,995. I think it's optimistic to think I'm ever going to need to print that many, but here we go. So I end up with a brother printer. So far, so good. Less good is Yale. Let's talk about Yale. Now, to talk about Yale, I'll talk a little bit about where we're at with, with the house, because I do often get questions, you know, how's the garage going, reno stuff. Uh, and we are getting very much to the pointy end of things now. So the, the, the question is ultimately about the garage. I literally just took a photo as I was getting a beer before coming up here, and I might, might tweet this very, very shortly. But uh, what we can see in this, this photo is that we do have a bunch of the joinery installed now. 
it's still got to have final alignment and get cleaned up and everything, but it's looking epic. I shared uh, a photo, I think, yesterday or the day before of, of like the, the whiskey wall where the joinery is in there now. There's the LED strip lights that shine up and mirrors. Be it looks amazing. I'm super, super happy about it. So the garage is going great. Uh, that should be finished next week. I think probably early next week. We also got new doors. <laughs> These doors have been a long time in the making. There is an extraordinarily large front door. I tweeted a photo of that earlier on. Uh, one wife for scale. <laughs> it's a very big door. And a front gate. And to bring it back on topic with the tech things, both of them have got IoT locks on them. Now, I've spoken before, I certainly tweeted many times through, I've spoken in this video about the IoT locks and trying to find the right locks for me and my family. Uh, I really wanted locks that could do home key so that your Apple thing could open them. There's just barely any out there. I had to give up on that dream. I wanted locks that looked neat, looked clean, looked slick, as looked as good as the door, because the door is freaking amazing. Big black aluminium jobs. I do think I met that criteria with the Yale locks. And I spoke before about, look, there's, there's a Yale Assure lock sold here in Australia. There is a successor to that called the Yale Assure 2. You would assume it's a successor because it's a 2 <laughs> instead of a no number. Not sold in Australia, so I ordered them off Amazon, shipped, got them installed. They look great. Everything goes downhill from there. Now, just to sort of shit sandwich the whole thing like the really good bit is they look great the hardware is lovely they are very nicely made they feel great they look great i could not be happier with the design of them the bit in the middle of the sandwich is anything to do with the software which brings me to my spare burner phone so this is uh, i don't know if you can see it clearly in the video but this is a, a burner phone that has a smashed screen now i'm sure we all have our boxes of broken dreams uh, this was Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte's or my iPhone 13 Pro. We handed it down to Ari after we got 14s. He did what kids do, what we've all done. He dropped it, smashed the screen. Actually, this was mine because then we gave him Charlotte's. Charlotte had also smashed her screen previously and had it replaced, but she got it replaced with a non-genuine screen and it continues to give you warnings and it looks too dark. And when I looked at replacing this one with a genuine screen, it was like, $600 or something stupidly ridiculous. Burner phone. The reason I have this burner phone is the app that controls the US door locks is not available in the Australian App Store. You can only get it from the US App Store, which means I had to pull out my burner phone and a US Apple account that I've had for a very long time, and I can't remember the exact reasons. I think it had something to do with when I was traveling to the US a bit at the time. Fired it up, still works, into the US App Store, got the app. Now, I've got a Twitter thread going on this, and I'm going to expand on it much more, but there's this really screwy thing where everything was like Yale access, and whether it was one of the Yale locks I got to play with the fly screen door over there, or whether it was the new Aussie Assure version one locks or the us assure 2 everything worked through the same app but there has been this division where now there's like the aussie ones and all that works together and then there's the american ones and that works together so i have to use this american phone for the setup it, it's not going to be incidentally this like leopard skin print on the back this is not mine <laughs> this was charlotte's honestly <laughs> so 
where were we with that? So this is something that um, that was it, it, it's it's frustrating. You know, I don't I don't want to have a situation here where I have to have separate phones just to be able to go through and like unlock and lock the door. But I figure I can use this. I can do all the setup. I can get it all right. And then after that, well, you know, then I'll manage everything through Home Assistant or something to that effect. So um, I've been going through this process of trying to make everything work together. And, and this is where things sort of go really, really downhill. The UX of this is a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. Now, part of the, the hint that it's a nightmare, and it's not just me who thinks it's a nightmare, is that if you go to the App Store in Australia and you look for what is now called, I'm going to my phone now, I think it's Yale Home. Yes, Yale Home. It has a solid one-star rating with review after review after review of just how shit the app is. In my own experience, and I'll put part of these tweets in the, in, the, in the tweet thread or part of the experience in the tweet thread, it's stuff like, I'm not going to show you the screen because it's got our address on the top of it here, but I'm looking at this, we've got a guest list. So the idea is that you can invite other people to use the door. Now, in my naivety, I thought the smartest thing to do would be to invite someone to have the app because then Charlotte and the kids can have the app on the phone, on the watch. They can get up there, put it on the door, unlock the door. But because of the way Yale has decided to region zone this thing, I can send a request, say to Ari, I tried to do this yesterday, to get the app. But when he tries to get the app, it goes to the app store and it says it's not available because he's not in the US app store. And, and just in case you're thinking, well, yeah, you bought a lock from overseas, what happens if I, as an Aussie, go to visit a friend in America? How do I get the app? Well, I, I, I can't. I literally cannot get it with my phone. So you've got to then fall back to just giving pins. Now, as soon as you give pins, well, you're no longer using, you're no longer using the app via Bluetooth, for example. Uh, if, if you're using pins, you've obviously got to punch it into the door, and then the only way to unlock it digitally without kinetically touching something is we're going to have to integrate it back to Home Assistant, which I have done, and then raise that back through, uh, was it HomeKit or whatever it is that surfaces things back on Apple, and then you'd be able to go to your watch and click on one of the icons that's surfaced by Apple, Apple HomeKit. <laughs> Sounds like I'm ranting, I'm rambling, it's just... <laughs> anyway, so we've got to do it by pin. So I get the first lock set up. I get the lock on the door set up, and Ari creates a pin, Charlotte creates a pin, you've all got your pins. They're in here as guests where I just put in the name and I give them a pin and that's fine. Checked it, all works fine. Then I go to set up the second lock. Can't find it. The app cannot find it. I'm going through exactly the same setup process as, I'm trying to see if my instructions are here. No, I'll put them downstairs. Going through exactly the same setup process I did for the front door, front gate cannot be found. So then I'm thinking, all right, maybe it had like already been paired. I bought them off Amazon, they're new, but maybe the guys setting them up and installing them to the door had begun that pairing process or something. I'll just factory reset it, that will be fine. So I start the factory reset process, except I'm reading the instructions for factory reset and it's, it's flaky as, because what it's saying is, take out a battery and then you get like a long, a long pin and you put it into the little reset hole, you know, as you've all seen the reset holes before, hold it in for one minute and then release it. 
And I'm sort of going, one minute seems like a long time. Well, maybe it doesn't matter. But I do that, and then I finish that process, and I put the battery back in, and I have absolutely no indication whatsoever that it has reset. If it was like a ubiquity access point, for example, then the lights flash, and you get a, a visual indication. Visual indication, audio indication, something to confirm that you have factory reset the device. And I keep going through this process, getting no indication whatsoever, and still not being able to find it and join it to the app. And eventually, yesterday, out of pure frustration, I, I just ended up Googling around to see if other people were having the same problem. And I found a different reset process. Now, I had been following the reset process that was in the printed brochure in the box, the one that shipped with it. This wasn't me finding some rando internet forum about how to reset, and it wasn't actually for that lock model or something like that. This was literally the documentation that shipped with it. The one I did find online had different instructions, and it said this. It said, take out the battery, push the reset button in, then put the battery back in whilst you're still holding the pin in for one minute. And it turns out if you do that, it works. <laughs> Which, with the benefit of hindsight, how are you going to factory reset if you take a battery out? Because if you take a battery out, you've no longer got any power to it. I don't know if there was like some battery backup or something in there, but now that you sort of see it that way, it's like, yeah, of course it makes sense. You've got to have all the batteries in whilst you're doing the reset process. So I reset it and I joined it. So now I've got two locks. Front door, which Charlotte and I are already on. Front gate, which I need to add them to. And I'm thinking, if I was to design a process like this in the app, you would have the concept of a user, and then you would see the different locks in your house, and you'd be able to go through and decide which locks they had access to. You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot do that. I'm drilling down into RE now, and first of all, it takes freaking ages to load, and then it loads, and it says front gate, access level, keypad only, access schedule, always, so you can actually sort of schedule, so I can load it at certain times of day, entry code on, and then if you draw through, it'll show the entry code. Now I'm looking at the front gate. What if I wanted to add him to the front door? Well, you, you can't. You have to go through and try and add another entry. And when you go through to add another entry, I'll click the invite button now. Personal entry code only. First name, last name. I'll just put some crap in there because I'm not going to go through the whole thing. And then I go to the next screen. And then, for those of you actually able to see this on the screen, then what happens is you have the option to choose a pin for the front door and then a pin for the front gate except if you try and set this up with the pin that i've already given him you get an error because you're trying to effectively create a new user even though it's got the same two strings for first name and last name you're trying to create a new user and that pin already exists and obviously every user needs to have a unique pin all right no problems i'll just go back and i'll delete the original user now i did that about 24 hours ago and as of this point right now next to ari it still says pending removal it can't Remove him. Entry code, pending removal, right? This is what I see here. And then I go, okay, there's a big remove user at the button, button, button at the bottom. I'll just try that. Uh, remove guest. Are you sure you want to remove Ari from house name? Yes. And it goes removing access and the balls are spinning. And I'll put my hand over the top just in case the thing comes up there. But it just sits there, hanging, removing, removing talking to the cloud, still removing, and it just hangs. And I can't 
get past this. Like eventually, I think I might have just killed the app. And then you go back in there and he's still pending removal. It is a mess, a massive, massive mess. And I just, I, I cannot understand how such an otherwise beautiful piece of equipment has just got such an absolute ratchet application. All right, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Simon says, you know, you can log in, log out, profiles on the one iPhone. I did this for Bosch smartphone app, which was only available in Europe. It is for Bosch controller and TwinGuard. Uh, once you get the app, you can switch profiles on your phone and the app will remain. Now, it's a good tip, actually, and someone did mention that. I, I guess I've just been a little bit reluctant to, like, sign out of profiles on an app, which is something that I use so extensively. The phone, I'm just looking at my settings. So, um, so Simon, are you saying that if you go into settings and you click on your name and then you scroll to the bottom, there's a sign out button. And if you sign out and then you sign in with the other account, which is the US one, then you can get the app and then the app will stay. If you sign out of the US one and then sign back into the Australian one, will the US app still stay? It's a good question. And then what about Charlotte's phone and Ari's phone? Simon says yes. Well, Simon says I should give it a go, but um, I'm not sure. Uh, and he says it will update too. I'm not sure that solves all my problems because what I end up with is rather than just having a shit app on my shit phone, I've got a shit app on my good phone as well. <laughs> the, uh, the iOS, or the, rather Home Assistant integration. So Home Assistant seems to have found it. Uh, pretty easily, like the setup there was pretty easy, which is which is good. There's an August integration, which you use, so August being the other smart lock, which is obviously all part of the same family. You go in there, you install that. Uh, I'm just looking now at the integration. I was looking at it earlier on, and I found it, it, it seems to be quite flaky in terms of actually being able to lock and unlock. So... I'm not sure if that's a problem with the with the integration or with the lock or what it is. But what I do have sitting here on my desk is two packets of Zigbee smart modules. So if I was to pop this open, this is what the smart module look like. Uh, for those of you listening to this later on, this is almost sort of the size of, a, I guess, a matchbox, very old school matchboxes. Uh, so this is the Zigbee unit. Now, it's got Wi-Fi units in at the moment. I should be able to slot these Zigbee units in and at least just roll to uh, entirely Zigbee-based internal, which should have immediate communication between the door and my Home Assistant uh, instance. Now, I think that that is going to be a lot more reliable. Uh, my mate Aaron Powell, who has been on here before talking about his, uh, his locks, he seems to think that that is the guy. That's what he's done with his Gen 1 smart locks. I hope this Zigbee module works because the Zigbee module here looks like it's made for the Generation 1 lock, but as best I can tell, they are exactly the same dimensions. We'll find out. Like, this this just should be easier. They are coming out uh, apparently with a Matter smart module as well. So Matter being the, I guess, the future of IoT in terms of having like a standardized protocol. The reason, one of the reasons I wanted to get the the Yeshua Lock 2 is because it is going to be Matter compatible when that module comes out. Look, my, my feeling is I just got to find like the least bad integration point for the whole thing now. And then 
end of the year, two years from now or something, there will be subsequent Yale versions come out. They'll have, uh, they'll be sold in Australia. They will have home key integration and then I'll just change them out. And I've, I've burned a couple of locks, but at least it's sort of gotten me <laughs> towards the, the end goal. That's painful just talking about it. Let's talk about less painful stuff, data breaches. <laughs> so two big data breaches this week that, um, that I think are actually kind of interesting in different ways. So one of them is a Polish data breach, but it's, it's, not really, it's not really a data breach. It appears to be a big credential stuffing list. Now, for the most part, I, I sort of ignore credential stuffing lists these days as far as how I mean Pwn goes. And the reason I made a bit of an exception here is that um, I saw a lot of chatter about this. It was suddenly big news in Poland because the headline is 6.3 million Polish email address password pairs. A lot of chatter about it. Uh, I saw, uh, I, I think I can say this since they subsequently tweeted about it, but I, I heard from some authorities in Poland who said it, it, would, be, it would be good if this data was searchable. Uh, and the Polish cert has since... Uh, put out a post and said, look, you, know, you can go and check things and have I been pwned. So you can join the dots on that. So that seemed like a good reason to add it when I'm normally not adding credential stuffing lists now that a, a dime a dozen. That was kind of interesting. A whole bunch of plain text passwords in there. We, we are looking at rolling those into pwned passwords as well. I've just, just honestly just been too smashed time-wise this week to be able to do it. The other one that I thought was somewhat more interesting was a data breach of RAID Forum. Now, RAID, RAID forums, I think it was always plural, wasn't it? RAID forums was one of these services that I referred to many, many, many times while it was still running, and I'd refer to it as a popular hacking forum. Uh, I didn't name it by name, just as I didn't name breach forums by name, which is the one that superseded it and is now gone, and I won't name the other one that has superseded those until that one's gone and it has FBI logos over it as well, which is an inevitability. It's just... Surely you guys can see the writing on the wall. Like, it's going to get taken down. You're going to have law enforcement logos all over it, and you're probably going to get arrested as well. It's, it's just it's like the changing of the seasons. So Raid Forum got popped. It looks like sometime in 2020. This data was obtained. That was the latest timestamps in there. 478,000 people. Uh, there's a story on Bleeping Computer here about this. This data then appeared... Uh, it, it looks like on the new <laughs> hacking forum that has superseded the one that superseded raid forums. And the data got shared there. Usernames, email addresses, IP addresses, dates of birth, and Argon2 password hashes. So, you know, they're good only for the Argon2. That's good. But 478,000 people who were on a hacking forum where a significant number of people were committing criminal acts and you've got your email addresses and IP addresses in there. And as much as you might think, well, okay, people know how they kind of use their real email address. Literally, the guy running breach forums in the thread there used his own email address. And it sounds like from, uh, from the, the FBI affidavit, I remember having a look at multiple times he's connected from his real IP address. So there is a goldmine of data in there, which, which is valuable, but it's also nothing new for law enforcement because law enforcement took the site down to begin with. So inevitably, they took all of that data. When was it? Last year, I think it went down. But now all the other randos, like you and I, have access to this data too. 
I had a, a burner account that I use on some of these forums. Uh, I use it purely for content where you have to be registered to look at. I certainly never trade any data and they never pay anyone. It is not my own name. I know people have created accounts on there under my own name before. I've never created an account on any of these forums under my own name and especially not then used it to start sharing more data around with other people. Those are not the real Troy. So quite fascinating to see this. There's always a lot of like, it feels like bickering and infighting between people in these communities. And I guess when you look at it through the lens of a large proportion of them are legally children, you sort of go, well, of course they're bickering and infighting their kids. 63% of those already in have I been pwned. I think from memory I sent something like 14,000 notifications. So there were 14,000 have I been pwned subscribers using the same email address I've subscribed to in this hacking forum database. And I'm Bet you a big chunk of those, they're personally identifiable, trace back to them. So uh, hopefully they weren't doing nasty things on there, but if they were, it's not great. And look, we know, we've heard before that we've had things like the uh, the Dutch um, uh, high crimes, uh, I always get the acronym wrong, NHCTU, Dutch police, <laughs> have sent emails to a whole bunch of people, I think from the breach forums takedown, effectively suggesting that people reassess their path in life, which is good. I'd much rather that sort of intervention than being arrested and ending up in handcuffs. So we'll see if any of that happens. But, but again, like law enforcement's had this data for ages. It's the next one that's going to be the interesting one when they get all that data too. Okay, folks, I think I've pretty much worked through my agenda there. I did want to keep it a little bit briefer today so I can go and uh, throw the aforementioned axes <laughs> with the family. If that's fun and interesting, I'll, uh, I'll put a tweet with a video. There's still a lot of people on Twitter. And, you know, funnily enough, I'll leave you with this because I made a bit of a joke about it and then not many people really bit. But if ever you feel like Twitter doesn't have as much engagement as it used to, tweet about printers. <laughs> because if you tweet about printers and how shit they are, you will get massive engagement almost as much as if you use Twitter to tweet about how Twitter still seems to be doing fine. Uh, that is another way of getting a huge amount of engagement and people reminding you that they are still all out there. Thanks very much for watching. I'm going to call it there. I will see you next week, also from home, and, and hopefully a little bit more rested than what I am this week. Cheers, folks.